a movie podcast that bridges the cinema nostalgia of the golden age of Hollywood with the explosive modernity of contemporary cinema. I'm your host Danny and with me as always is my co-host Nick. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us again today for another conversation about some of our favorite films. Give us a follow on Twitter at Kinotomic and then send us an email if you like at kinotomic at gmail.com. So Nick, what have you been up, up to these days? Um, well, since our, our last our last recording, where where I went on a rant about a film that shall not be named, um, I I I re um I finally I finally watched um because it came out, finally watched uh Godzilla versus Kong, um and oh, it yes. was it I mean I'm a sucker for like you know this kind of thing right you know I I I'm a sucker for it. But there's a difference between like loving, like liking the genre, like liking the genre, like wanting to see it because it's two giant things fighting each other, and actually enjoying the film. An example being, you know, the Transformers films. You know, like they're they're really not very good films apart from uh, Bumblebee. Um, and but with with Godzilla vs Kong, I oh, I loved every minute of it. <laughs> Excellent. Loved every moment. It was it was silly. It was dumb. It was it it was just, and it was the the fights like it it was great. Like it was so good. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that that was that was that. I mean, Godzilla vs Kong was 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 fucking good. Um, and I think the other thing I watched was, um, thanks to, uh, Patrick Willems, um, a YouTube, well, he's a YouTuber I follow, he does a load of video essays and what have you. His latest video essay was one on, on a film called, uh, Dick Tracy from 1990, starring Warren Beatty and Madonna. And um, Al Pacino. And Al Pacino. Um, not that you would know it from the makeup. And... Yeah, I've seen, I've seen bits of it. I've never actually seen the whole film yeah so i started watching the the video essay um and then i was like and then i got like a couple minutes into it and i was like i I, i'm just gonna stop it and i'm gonna watch dick tracy and then watch the video essay and watching dick tracy i have not seen a film like that before the film is shot by uh, the cinematographer's um Oh, the same guy that did Apocalypse Now. Um, oh God, I can't remember his bloody name. Hang on, I've got it here. Vittorio Storaro, who was the you know cinematographer for Apocalypse Now, um, The Last Emperor, Last Tango in Paris. Um, uh, he did one of the Exorcist films. <laughs> um, so, like, he's he, you know he's got this amazing style to it. Um, and the film is just weird. It's like there's not a film like it. It's just it's just weird, um, and it's really really unique. Um, and I'm quite glad I finally got I I, I watched it because I like I said I've I've not like I've not seen a film like it. Like Dustin Hoffman is in it, like for for very very 
short period of time. James Caan is in it for like 10 seconds. Dick Van Dyke, Kathy Bates, all in it wow. in like really small parts. And then you get Al Pacino doing this amazing like bad guy performance, but he's got this like the, the, the makeup effects and all these gangsters are made up to look like the gangsters from the original comic book strip, comic strips from, you know, from the 30s and 40s and 50s. Where they're like very stylized, you know. One, you know, it's got flat top head. There's another one's got a little small face, and his head is massive. Um, you know, wrinkles and big noses and weird chins and um, and all these gangsters just look really weird. But it's it's just it's quite it's quite it's just a, a really unique movie. I've not seen anything like it. So, um, if we end up doing an episode where you're like, I want to talk about, you know, a, a a film about gangsters from the 30s or something then i probably would put dick tracy on as the film to to companion it so okay yeah i'm sure i can um, find something yeah um what what have you what have you been what have you been watching so um you probably don't know this but the on youtube on youtube sorry on twitter we've got um started a new hashtag you know you've got november in yes. november and now we've got pre-code april in april so I've been watching a lot of pre-code films, um, re-watching some of them, and I've, I've sort of discovered a few new ones as well. Chief among them is this incredible, lovely film, 1933, uh, directed by John Cromwell, who did also on of Human Bondage with Betty Davis in 1934. Um, this film is called Double Harness with Anne Harding and William Powell, and it's just incredibly modern and, and simply just brilliantly acted um the ending's not the best thing in it but the acting um from both actors is just brilliant and i've kind of went down the rabbit hole with william powell and uh, i've watched a few more william powell films including one way passage with Kay francis and uh, which is also very very good and quite sad and uh, a few other films so yeah, we should definitely have some William Powell at some point on on the podcast. And I've seen some new films as well now that the um, Oscar list, like nominations list, has has, show, uh, has sort of been released. So I've seen, yeah. and I've actually uh, I've sort of started um, putting them on Letterbox. Don't know if you've oh, noticed that. Oh, have you now? I haven't. Yeah. No, I've, 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 yeah. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I've been proud of myself that I'm like, oh, yeah, it's sort of actually logging stuff in. For, for a Excellent. While. So I've seen the trial of Chicago of the Chicago Seven. How was that? Good, good. Yeah. Yeah, I love courtroom dramas, and um, I love films based on 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 true events uh, because I always wanted so. I always want to go back and sort of research exactly how how much of it is true and and it's got an incredible cast. You've got Mark Rylance, who's adorable, and I love Mark Rylance. And you've got Eddie Redmayne, and you've got Sasha Baron Cohen, who's also I mean I'm a big fan of Sasha Baron Cohen's not the silly stuff, but he's a very intelligent guy, and I admire him for for that. Um, and he's brilliant in this, and he probably should. Yeah, I know he got nominated for an Oscar, and I'm not sure. I have to I have to double check the the list, the complete list. But he's he's very good in this. 
And what else have I seen? I've seen Pieces of a Woman because I'm a big, big fan of Vanessa Kirby's ever since I saw her in The Crown. Um, and it just really disturbed me, that film. It's a very, very, very disturbing film. At least the first half hour is just, is a half hour long scene of a woman giving birth. And it's just one of the most excruciating things that you'd ever watch on, on film. Um, and Vanessa Kirby nom also nominated for an Oscar for her portrayal of Martha. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if she deserves the Oscar, but she definitely deserves a nomination. Okay. But, yeah, I think that's kind of it off the top of my head. Okay. But yeah, I've been I've been I've been quite busy watching a lot of movies. Rewatching old films as well. Good. Fashion of mine. Cool. Should we should we move on to our two picks of today? Yes. Yes. We will. We will reveal the hands that we've been. De we we we've been dealt. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of cards involved in this, isn't on there? There's in both films of, as well. Both yeah. films. Uh, I think we. I think we 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 did a very good job of in uh, pairing these two films. I don't know about how you felt when you watched them. Um, yes. well, I was quite, I was quite happy uh, because they're both very, very funny and very like adorable. Um, and yeah, it talks about con artists. So let's just start with the earlier film, um, 1941's *The Lady Eve*, directed and written by Preston Sturgis, who wrote and directed this film with Barbara Stanwyck in mind. He had written previously the script for. Remember the Night, uh, in which Barbara Stanwyck starred, and he pr promised to write her another film, and he delivered. And here is a quick synopsis. A trio of classy card sharks target the social socially awkward heir to brewery millions for his money, until one of them falls in love with him. So, Nick, what did you think of The Lady Eve? Yeah, this this film was uh, was an absolute delight. Um, it's it's funny, <laughs> um, romantic, clever, witty, and 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 sexy as all hell. Um, you know, we, we've met, we, yeah, we've mentioned here on the podcast before many times about our, our mutual love of, of Henry Fonda, um, and here he he seems to really play on point. You know, like he, he's not only being someone who's who's really good at heart and genuine. But he's able to sometimes he's he's someone able to play like the fool when needed. Um, yeah. you got the 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 pratfalls and and the accidents <laughs> and stuff, and he he never makes it look out of place, and like he no. makes it look quite natural and 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 quite of character. It really reminded me of um, uh, Cary Grant in uh, Bringing Up Baby. Um, I was I was kind of I was kind of hoping you picked up on that because I think there's a lot of Cary Granty vibe in him. Yeah, yeah, in this, I really in his particular really kind portrayal. Of, I'm not like I'm not well versed in Cary Grant. I think I've only seen a couple a handful of movies, um of a small very small handful of movies of his, but um I've definitely recognised, you know, Henry Fonda and Cary Grant kind of sharing a quality in, in the in this film. Um <laughs> now, on to Barbara Sandwick. She is all kinds of great in this. <laughs> um, when I saw um, Double Indemnity a few years ago, I made a note 
um, of how great she was at playing Phyllis, you know, you know, potting the the perfect murder and stuff. Um, here she's she's kind of doing the same play, um, you know, as in like she's manipulating her way to get what she wants. But here she does it with with some real rapid fire and witty witty lines and 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 quick and and like funny like a real funny note underneath it all that you would expect to see from from a billy wilder comedy which yeah. is you know almost ironic seeing as billy wilder directed double indemnity and that film's not a comedy um she she is utterly gorgeous in this <laughs> um the scene on the boat in the bedroom um with her on the chair and her face <laughs> pressed against charlie's i mean that was that was just sexy as fuck it was just like i mean there was it was like it was like you know if this if this film was made like sixty or so years later it it, it would literally cut to black and it wouldn't even cut to black we would see them fucking on the bed. Um, <laughs> but it wouldn't be as sexy as it was. It wouldn't if... be as sexy because that's what I mean. Like, is there's a difference between it being sexy and then like not doing anything about it and then have it being sexy and then paying you know having something happen because then you lose an element to yeah. that. And yeah. this, like, you just, you, you left wanting, you know, it's that wanting, you know, that's what, you know. Um, and anyway. And when he, yeah, when he gets up and he's so, like, almost paralysed with lust, but he just has to yeah. go home. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, you walk out the door and you're like, well, I'm, you know, okay. Um, you know, there's there's a moment in, in, in the film that we'll talk about after this where it's exactly like that. I know, um, I, was, I, was, I was very shocked. So... <laughs> And anyway, then she plays the the um the 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 eponymous Lady Eve, and here is as this character, she she controls the scene around her like it's a plaything. Um, yep. the yep. the the amount of control that she has on on that screen. I mean, she's outshining Henry Fonda quite considerably as lady eve in this whole in that sequence in that with the dinner party sequence she it's just it's insane and i honestly think you know this is perhaps the single best performance from films that we've seen on the podcast um wow. if not the best then definitely in the top three i think up there would be probably robert mitchum in night of the hunter um, yeah, wow. that would definitely be in top three and yeah. I've off the top of my head I can't really think about what else would be as well um I, I might have to do something that I have to come back to De you know I'm, I'm, th I'm speaking of films that you've you've given me um if not all of them in, in together I think I don't know just now I'm kind of thinking about what other performances would I put under that that I, we can I don't, do a special I... top 10 later on i'm sure yeah yeah um anyway yeah so she's anyway incredible um so the the support cast were all great um i really love the car tricks you know the slight hand and the, the you know you get the punch lines to the, and the fake outs to the, the mm. punch lines to the fake outs all of it i loved all of that and yeah i had a blast with it i'm kind of pretty annoyed with myself that i hadn't caught it sooner um, I went back to my notes um, to to when we spoke about 20th Century, a film that I found out Preston Sergis wrote. Um, and I had in my notes that that film was quick and witty. And I think I, I like this film more 
Um, this is no negativity. Don't don't. I I can I can feel the eyes staring at me. No, like no, burning no, a no. hole in my soul. In that you know, like there's <laughs> there's no negativity aimed towards John Barrymore and, and Cara Lombard, who, if you recall, I said were great in that film. I just think that the good-hearted and sexy Stanwyck really elevate this film more for me. Um. So yeah, I I I, no, I really loved enough. it. I mean. I prefer Barbara Stanwyck to Carol Lombard, and you know, I it, it's it's just apples and oranges, really. I think. Yeah. I really can't say. Uh, I love both, if not equally, almost. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, Press and Sturgis is great. Um, and to um, yeah. So so yeah. I mean, oh, uh, I've just I've just remembered the 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 performance I would otherwise put in the top three, and that would be um Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead Two. Um, I, I would put that in the top three performance. If it honestly, if, if we go, if we, no, if we're going by acting performances and, and performances that really that go all out and uh, are so okay amazing that you know like barbara stanwick where she's controlling the scene like in uh, robert mitchum in, in in night of the hunter where he's so terrifying and then bruce campbell in evil dead 2 where he's just he's so committed to the bit like okay. so committed to the to the film and to the to the premise and i if, we, if we're going by that for, for me like i i would i would go with that i mean Obviously, you know these aren't greatest performances of all time. I mean, I mean, you know, it, it, off the top of my head, you have got Daniel Day Lewis and There Will Be Blood, like you know, um, as one of the greatest yeah. acting There's, performances yeah. ever. Hard to top that. Um, exactly, it's, it's hard to top that. But I think Barbara on this podcast, if we're speaking with the films that we discussed, and we, you know, we've we've talked about a lot. I think we're we're getting close to a hundred films we've 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 spoken about, uh, which is quite insane to think about. But um, <laughs> um, that she she's just she's just incredible in this, absolutely incredible. And the fact that you know, for me, she she seems to she she actually outshined Henry Fonda in in the uh, dinner party scene is is quite something. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, awesome. Oh, cool. Excellent, I bravo. Am... <laughs> Good. Um, I'm I'm glad that you you enjoyed it. Um, I think I think you're 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 spot on when you say that she's kind of outshined Harry Fonda because <coughs> this is her film more than his. He just plays along, um, and he does a really wonderful job at it. But it's just yeah, it's just her film i don't um, think her perform i don't think i don't think her performances would have worked without haunt fonda on the other side no no of course i think you you really really needed that character yeah. to be played by henry fonda because you know there's we've spoken this before you know he is there's there's only one actor you get if you want to have somebody that is so good of heart. I mean, he fucking played Abraham Lincoln in John Ford. Yeah, I Lincoln. mean, that cannot be, you know, <laughs> as, as 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 Daniel Day-Lewis as it can get. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like, so that's what I mean. Like, he's so good of heart, and I, and and that's why you know we, I've spoken in the past about how his introduction in Once Upon a Time in the West is so fucking amazing i mean we spoke about it on our on our enario morricone tribute episode 
um, yeah. about how how great his performance is and how great that character is. And I think here it, it just her her performance, her role and character wouldn't work without the foil of Henry Fonda. Absolutely, uh, I found really I found a really cool. Um... Quote. So, uh, I found a really cool quote from um, Roger Ebert um, when he talks about that gorgeous scene that you you just mentioned. And <laughs> quote: Samuel plays an adventurous who has lured lured a rich but unworldly young bachelor to her cabin. She reclines on a chair. She he he has landed on the floor next to her. Hold me tight, she says, holding him tight, allegedly because she had been frightened by a snake. Now begins the unbroken shot. Her right arm cradles his head, and as she talks, she toys with his earlobe and runs her fingers through his hair. She teases kids and flirts with him, and he remains almost paralyzed with shyness and self-consciousness. And at some point during this process, she falls for him. And I think, end quote, and I think it's just delightful, and it's just brilliantly played by both of them it's why it's quite extraordinary to see her performance because I think it's it's very reserved and it's it's not what you'd expect for a film made in the 40s I don't know if you agree she's not too dramatic or too over the top not like say Carol Lombard was in 20th century although it was a different vibe to that film anyway um but she's there's something about Stanwyck and and she always gives her best in anything she does, and that's why she's one of the best actresses that has ever lived. You have her in Double Indemnity, and she she just believes her. She's just pure evil, but not pure evil. She's just there's a whole different layer to her evil. There's a there's a frailty to her performance in Double Indemnity. Yeah, and you kind of isn't you, that like. You have that thing where you're like, she's evil, but she's just so good at being evil. Yeah. And here she just she's she's playing she's playing a comedy role, but she's just so serious about it and so vulnerable about it. And then when she comes out as Lady Eve, she's just just illuminates the scene, and she just everyone's just gathers around her and just ogles at how beautiful and how charming she is it's just brilliant um so yeah this was the second of three comedies in which Henry Fonda was paired with Barbara Stanwyck the first was the mad Miss Manton 1938 and the third was you belong to me which was released in the same year as the Lady Eve and I think I found a quote saying that prompted Fonda to declare Stanwyck as his favorite leading lady and I can see why, because they had really good chemistry together. And it's quite, I find quite astonishing how, because they're not, both of them, they're more famous for like really serious role, like you said, Abraham Lincoln and Double Indemnity. And then to see them being so easy in their roles, is just brilliant. And I found a quote from New York Times, quote, no one could possibly have suspected the dry and somewhat ponderous comic talent which is exhibited by Henry Fonda as the rich young man, 
and Barbara Stanwyck as the lady in the case is a composite of beauty, grace, romantic charm, and a thoroughly feminine touch of viciousness. End quote. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a brilliant, brilliant film. I, I, there's not much else to say other than um, I found that they had lots of fun doing the production and only ran two days behind schedule. Preston Sturgis um, was known to be very careful when he uh, directed people. So to maintain a light atmosphere, he encouraged visitors on the set. So Henry Fonda brought his um, daughter to celebrate her fourth birthday. So how cool is that, baby Jane? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I love Jane. She's my hero. Um, so yeah, AFI ranked this film at 55 in top 100 best comedi American comedies of all time. Um, I can see why, but I don't particularly agree with that list because they've ranked um, Ball of Fire much lower. And I prefer um, Ball of Fire. I think it's it's a superior film. Um, and hopefully we'll get the chance to have it on the podcast at some point. It was released in the same year. And it's, it's hang on, is it? I think it's written by... Um, Billy Wilder and directed by Howard Hawks. I always get that mixed up. Yeah, Gary it, was, it was. Yeah, it was directed by Howard Hawks and written by uh, Billy Wilder with Charles Brackett. Yeah, um, it's with Gary Cooper. Uh, yeah, um, I find that a bit better, um, personally. Just it's just so delightful. Okay. Okay, well, that's that, that, that's a that's a recommendation I have because seeing how much I love this film, if you're saying that I film's think better than I, than I, I, I prefer, I prefer that I slightly prefer that. It's kind of, it's it's up, it's up there with my favorite screwball comedies of all time, and it's like my comfort film. Whenever I feel down, I want to watch it. It's it's there. It's up there with My Man Got Free and and Twentieth Century and. Um, I love the Lady Eve. Uh, it's quite it's sophisticated and it's funny and it's multi-layered and it's brilliant. Um, but I think I find Ball of Fire more quirky and more zany. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what you thought of it. So yeah, as you know, I'm a big fan of both both Stanwyck and Fonda, and I think they're exceptional exceptional actors and so versatile. Um, and it was it was a joy to to rewatch this the other day. It was just brilliant. The 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 scene when she comes to the party all dressed in white, she just basically shines and glimmers with. Um, and yeah, Eugene Pallette, who plays the the father, his father, is always a win. And I wish I wish I'd seen more of him in this film. And he showcases his comedic talent more in My Man Godfrey. If you want. But therefore, season three, maybe. I think I think if you if you recall, it is on this season. What, my man Godfrey? It is, yes. <gasps> oh my god, you're gonna be, you're gonna love it, you're gonna love it. Um. So yeah, because it's yeah, I, like I said before, I I went down a rabbit hole with William Powell, and yeah, I've I've, I've kind of developed a crush on him. So I, I'm looking forward to to discussing him a bit more. Um and yeah, it's the funniest thing. And this kind of, I'm gonna um conclude with this. I was what I was. I don't know. I was thinking about a scene from Lady Eve, 
and I couldn't remember what film it was from. If you remember when they're preparing for the party and you have Eugene Paulette and he goes to the, to the patio where the breakfast is laid out, but there's no breakfast in any of the trays. Yeah. And he starts ringing the bell. And I remember that. It seems like I know I, I know him. And he goes and he, he starts ringing the bell. And no one actually pays attention to him. And he has to, he's starving to death, poor man. And he, <laughs> and no one comes to bring him breakfast. And I was like, what the, because I've, I've seen so many films with him. Um, and I was like, what film is that from? And then when I rewatched The Lady Eve the, um, yesterday, I was just like, ah, there it is. Brilliant scene. Oh, it all comes. To, yeah, I, I, I really liked, like I said, like the the supporting performances. I mean, I, I thought uh, Muggsy, I think his name is yeah, the the yeah. bodyguard. Um, yeah, you know, on the boat scenes, I thought his character. <laughs> yeah, I thought his. I thought on the boat scenes, his character was was quite one note. Um, he reminded me of um Billy Zane's bodyguard from Titanic. Um, in, in that <laughs> in that opening in that oh. opening half on the boat. Um and then, um in the in the second half with the with the dinner party, I thought I thought his his whole thing is is it went it went very very yeah like slapstick and it was very funny. I think there's something to be said about like you said the 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 pratfalls and how how natural they are. And I found um he was one of his uh, Preston Studies collaborators and and one of the producers uh, at the studio where they were a bit worried about there having been too many pratfalls but i don't think there are too many i don't know what you feel but i thought that were every every one of them had their own individuality and to I think, see, uh, yeah yeah to, to see harry fonda fall over the couch and fall with like food on top of him and it's just like what else can we do and then he has to change clothes like three times because it's all messy and it's, it's just brilliant I thought he looked better in the white suit anyway, so... <laughs> um. <laughs> Matches her dress. Yeah, yeah. I thought he looked really good in the white suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Alright, so, um... Is that, that's, that's a, yeah. is that Lady Yeah, I mean, I can I can talk more about um, Barbara Stanley, but I, you know, she's I'm just sure brilliant. I'm yeah. um, um, Let's continue. Cool. So we're we're continuing on to the the second film for today, which is The Brothers Bloom by director Ryan Johnson uh, from two thousand and eight. Um, this is our second Ryan Johnson movie. Uh, if you remember, Brick was in season one. Um, his second movie is is now in in season two. Maybe one day I'll find to put his third film Looper into um, his I've third feature Looper. into our. Th- You've seen Looper. Well, we can't do that then. Well, we can't do anyway, that then. Sorry, right, I've seen so, Uber. I enjoyed it. Can't do that then. Mm. Um, what? Um, before we talk about Brothers Bloom, uh, remind me what you thought of Brick. Uh, whew. I think I liked it. Pretty sure I did like it. I had a few comments about. Yeah. I mean, I I really enjoyed the um the tall skinny guy with with a cane. I thought that was the Lucas best House. thing. Yeah. Um, and there was, I think there were a few things that I wasn't too sure about in terms of, it felt some of the stuff was, it appeared comedic to me, um, when it wasn't, and maybe I I need to rewatch it, but overall it was good. And yeah. 
so cool well, yeah i i think you remember you taking um taking offense to my statement that i said that um brick was one of the greatest debut features of all time i remember you taking taking offense to that um okay. <laughs> yes you did okay <laughs> um but anyway we'll, we'll move on to the, the brothers bloom um so a brief synopsis uh, the Brothers Bloom are the best con main in the world, swindling millionaires with complex scenarios of lust and intrigue. Now they decided to take on one last job, showing a beautiful and eccentric heiress, the time of her life with a romantic adventure that takes them around the world. Um, so, Danny, uh, what did you think of The Brothers Bloom? Yeah, it was it was a funny little film, quite delightful. I really enjoyed it very, very much. Um probably as much as you enjoyed Lady Eve um, or similarly because I'm a big fan of Rachel Weisz and um, Mark Ruffalo and yeah it's stellar cast stellar direction cinematography was incredible I really really enjoyed it um, I was um, I think I've watched the trailer before watching the movie and what struck me at first was noticing the house um, what's her name, uh, Pen- Penelope lives in, and it's actually a castle in Romania, where, which I visited in 2016. Um, it's quite a famous castle. It's like one of the second most famous castle in Romania. And um, it was like, well, they've chosen that as her house. I mean, she's rich, but how bloody rich can she be? Because that was like <laughs> a royal castle. She's not the king. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, the modern day uh, Eugene Paulette may be um, sort of reincarnated into Robbie Coltrane, I think. It was just brilliant. Um, so I fu- it was fun to see um, Robbie Coltrane cameo in this and put on a French, Belgian, sorry, accent. Um, yeah, um, great story. Um, quite sad at times. You had that sort of melancholy streak to it but overall quite funny and I, I really enjoy the scene on the train which made me think of of Lady Eve and and the sort of seduction scene in Lady Eve and they both ended the same way where the boy got, <laughs> gets up and leaves very very disappointed and very like stiff <laughs> um I yeah so I think I love Mark Ruffalo and it just felt to me that he had he was good, but he felt like he had a bit of a thankless role in this. And the, the scenes that he had weren't as, as strong as they might have been. I don't know. Felt like he wasn't as sophisticated as he could have been um, playing Stephen. Um, I love the kids uh, at the beginning. Um, the kid actors, they were just brilliant, all of them. Um, and... It feels if I think because this was two thousand and eight, and it just feels like Mark Ruffalo has definitely developed as an actor since then. Don't know if you agree, um, but it feels that you could see sparks of his of his future genius in this performance, but it's still a bit uncooked at times. Um, so yeah. I, Adrian Brody is always good. He's always a win. He's a very good actor. He um, he doesn't disappoint. And you, you see him being quite deadpan at times and quite serious and, and heartbroken at times. Um, and he plays really well with that. Um, 
yeah so i think and, and his performance is somewhat at some at some point similar to to harry fonda's i don't know if you felt like in terms of the deadpan and the sort of the shyness and sort of yeah quite sedate and i liked um rinko kikuchi very much i've i've seen her before in babel and i think she's a really brilliant actress and to be able she to is, do that without having to say a word is just incredible. It's absolutely mind-blowing. I think she's just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And um, last but not least, Rachel Weisz. I just, sometimes I watch her and I forget what the films are all about because she's just so bloody gorgeous. <laughs> You're just like, what did she say? I don't know. I was staring at her. I can't, I can't, I don't know what happened. I was just like staring at her. She's just so beautiful i think i think that i think i think the first mummy film where she appears and she's the librarian and she's got that outfit and it's like you almost you forget what kind of movie you're watching because all of a sudden you're just like holy shit who is that it's just like hang on a minute what 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 just happened i don't know but look at her uh and you almost forget how good an actress she is because she's brilliant yeah, um, like I, I think I think we kind of like think of Rachel Weisz as almost like we kind of like ignore how good she is at doing comedy. Yeah, I think. yeah, and the scene um, where she comes out from, uh, from she she just um, steps out of the police car and she starts jumping around on the on the bridge in in Prague, having managed to steal the book. It's just one of the most beautiful scenes I've seen, uh, and it's just like. Yeah, she was just like a kid. It was just brilliant, 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 adorable. And you kind of see, I mean, it. I loved the film. It, it's not, I was kind of expecting some sort of a twist at the end. Um, and you kind of, I don't know, expected something more perhaps, but she's, you could see a mile away that she's going to sort of be robbed in with the gang of, of con artists. Uh, because she's looking for adventure and you see her being you know starting being quite sedate and then she just jumps on it because she's multi-talented and she's one of those people so yeah she's just absolutely brilliant and to um yeah and to keep her to to make her as interesting as as rachel weiss has made her is is quite an achievement i think and she i one thing that i really noticed on this viewing is that her character could if it was played by a different actress, it could quite have easily gone into the the manic pixie dream girl stereotype. Yeah, but um, it didn't. And I really, it didn't. But I think that is primarily due to Rachel Weisz's performance. Yeah, no, she's absolutely perfect. Um, so yeah, um, I had a lot of fun watching it, especially given that some scenes were definitely filmed in Romania, and I've noticed it. And I was like, oh yeah, I've been there, been there, been there. I've also been to Prague and I've been to St. Petersburg, so I was like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> I've never been to Mexico, but that's that's on the list, definitely. <laughs> if they filmed it in Mexico, you don't know. I have, um, I have a feeling they... I think they shot pretty much most of the film in... if not all of the film in Eastern Europe. Um, yeah. I, th I think. Um, so, yeah. It looked like I, it was most of it in, in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. It was a lovely film, and I thought it was a good pairing with Lady Eve, covering like the same issues of you know mistrust, trust, broken heart, unfinished stories. Um, 
con artist and yeah excellent excellent um did you so i don't know i don't know if you can recall the 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 bar sequence at the start of the film yes the yes initial, i was going to say i'm did sorry you I yes, recognize yes anybody? i recognized him yeah joseph who gordon. did you recognize joseph gordon levitt you saw him did you <laughs> i did i did i did see him um, i was like well hang on a minute is that him that was him and um, i think there was another man who was in brick Yes, yeah, so uh, Noah Segan um, is so Noah Segan and Joseph Gordon-Levitt have been in every single Ryan Johnson project. Um, where Noah Segan uh, played Kid Blue in Brick. He's in this. He's in Looper. Yeah. Um, yes, of course. His his role in Looper is quite memorable. Um, he plays. He's a, a um, oh, forget resistance fighter in Last Jedi. And he plays um, one of the the police detectives in Knives Out, along with Lakeith Stanfield. He plays Lakeith Stanfield's uh, partner. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, obviously the title role, uh, plays the main role in Brick. He's in this as a a spot and you miss it cameo. He's obviously got one of the main roles in Looper. Um, He's got a a very tiny um, voice role in uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. And he plays... And his voice is featured in Knives Out as well on the police radio. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and I, I'm assuming you recognise the woman that tried to seduce Adrian Brody at the beginning. No, I, I recognised her face and I was like, who is she? So that is Nor- Nora Sahetna, who played the um, the femme fatale in Brick. Um, she played of Laura. Of course. Yeah, I thought so. I th- because I knew that Ryan Johnson wrote both films and directed both films, so I thought, I the one from Brick. Yeah. Uh, definitely, the face was definitely familiar. Definitely familiar. Um, yeah, so like you said, I mean, I, I think, you know, Mark Ruffle kind of pulls off the, the confident, loving brother, older brother very well. I think Adrian Brovey seems to be having fun as the guy who isn't quite sure, you know, what the right thing to do is and trying to work his way through his brother's story. Um, Rachel Weiss, like you said, she, you know, she looks like she's having the time of her life. Yeah. Um, and I, I, Ricky Kikuchi as Bang Bang is incredible. Um, I think she has an almost, almost Keaton-esque comic timing. Uh, yeah. Her face is so expressive. Um, proof that, you know, she doesn't need to say any words, but when she does, they are fucking funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Rinko Kikuchi is an actress. I just want to, I just want to kind of talk a bit about her in general uh, in general i am um, she's an actress i love um she's in pacific rim uh mako mori um she's in the sequel pacific rim uprising which isn't very good she's in the aforementioned babble and um, her which is you know the role which i think every single western member of audience who saw her in that took note uh, yeah. She played the death. She was nominated for an Oscar for that, wasn't she? I think she, I think she won it, if I remember rightly, no. or she was nominated or won it. I, I can't remember. I think um, she won, but she was definitely nominated. Yeah, she was and, nominated. She wasn't. She didn't win. And she's in. Um, she she plays the title role in Kimiko, the Treasure Hunter, um, which is a which is an incredible incredible film about a Japanese woman based on a true story of a Japanese woman, a lonely Japanese woman who um, sees a, a, a VHS copy of Va- a Fargo 
and you know because at the beginning of that film it shows um it says you know that this is based on a true story and if you remember fargo there's a scene where steve buscemi buries a load of money in the snow yeah and kamiko being lonely and believing that this is a true story travels to minnesota to find said money it's based on a true story and it's a it's a it's an incredible film um I might try and see if we can find a way to get it on the podcast next season because it's it's a film I, I love to I love to talk about. So yeah, um, Ringo Kuchi is a great actress. Um, I I love Ryan Johnson as a, as a, as a director. I think in this film he's really trying to kind of deconstruct the stories that we tell and the stories that we see. Um, he is very aware of trying to pull back the curtain to see the con kind of unfold before us um very i think this film is very much a movie about making movies um yeah and... there's a lot of details about the storytelling and how yeah you have you have um steven as the, the sort of the, the narrator kind of master storyteller writer he's the yeah sort of mastermind behind everything um, the final sequence, I, it really, it, it kind of does hit me hard a bit. That that final sequence, I forgot how my hard it did. This is the third film, the third time I've seen this, and yeah. I always forget how kind of hard it hits me when Mark Ruffalo, um, you know, uh, you know, passes away. And, and yeah, and I didn't believe reveal. him when he lied. To, I I knew he the he was lying to um, when he said he was going to be okay. Yeah. And I, I really, I think it's kind of, it's perfect that the, it t- takes place in this rundown, beaten up theatre. You know, the trick, the trick is finished. You know, the con has been pulled off. But yeah. I think the camera kind of has this sense of loss about it, and like, you know, we are, we're, we're kind of sad that this con is over. That you know, that Stephen's story's over. Um, that's how, that's really how I feel. Um, Ron Johnson took inspiration from Paper Moon. Uh, Peter Tom, uh, Bogdanovich's great con man film starring Ryan O'Neill um, which we'll have to get on the pod next season along with every other film we've mentioned <laughs> today um, I thought we had Paper Moon on the podcast I think we were going to do it for season one and I think we pulled it off for whatever reason but I'm no, definitely going to get we it were pairing it with um, um, Grapes of Wrath because it was about the depression wasn't it that was it. That's it. And we took it off, didn't we? Because um, well, so that's going to be for next season. That'll be next season. Yeah. Um. Peter Bogdanovich also did Last Picture Show, which is uh, an amazing, amazing movie. He was um, very good friends with Austin Wells. You know that, right? Say again. Peter Bogdanovich was very good friends with Orson Welles, and he was also a big, big fan of Buster Keaton. And he did uh, yes. the latest uh, documentary, The Great Buster. Ah, I did not know that, but I knew he was he was friends with with Orson. Yeah. Um. So Rachel Voice, I got a couple of uh, quotes, a couple of things here, which I'm going to link to in the show notes. The the links in. Um. So this is this is uh within from an interview with Rachel Voice, uh, in which she says, "I had to learn to look like I could do those things. I had to learn banjo, violin, guitar, piano, juggling, breakdancing, skateboarding." Adrian is a good skateboarder, so he gave me some tips. We had a two-week rehearsal period, and then that time I had to learn all those skills. I had to learn to be able to move my hands, and I had to learn to do that card trick. It was one shot, and the camera comes down, and you see my hands and my face, so you know someone else hasn't jumped in to do it. That was me. 
mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. And apparently that took eleven takes to do. Um, mm-hmm. I know. I always get. I I love that. I love that that shot. I think it's an amazing shot. Um, and this 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 is a quote from um, uh, from Paste magazine um, uh, to, to Ryan Johnson. Um, Paste uh, the, the interview asks. Um, I assume uh, the filmmaker is inspired by other films, but you're also inspired by novels at all. And Johnson replies, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my first film, Brick, really entirely came from Dashiell Hammett novels, which, of course, we spoke about in, in that in our podcast episode. I mean, obviously, the correlation most people drew was to film noir, but actually the core inspiration for it was books. When with Bloom, I had the same kind of... Um, I had a kind of been a fan of con movies my whole life, but I was less about drawing from a specific source. I read The Bing Kong... The Big Con by David Mora, which is the book that The Sting was based on. It's not a novel, but it's actually an amazing piece of, of, of journalism. So that was something I reread. It wasn't something drawn from a specific source, but yeah, as a screenwriter, I think you can steal from anything that works. You know, anything. Back of a cereal box, take it, grab it. Um, and I think that attitude really comes across in, in, in Ryan Johnson's filmmaking. You know, he it's, it, there is there is a difference between like stealing other people's ideas and homaging and um taking inspiration from and i think i think um johnson ryan johnson very much is takes inspiration from other filmmakers and other films um and other ideas and stuff i i I think he's really really good at pulling all those ideas together um i think the knives out is a, a very very strong example of that if you think about how that film kind of plays with the mystery yeah. Agatha Christie, yeah. Pryro kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. Um, have you got anything? I, I'm as kind of me done on Brother's Moon. I mean, I, I, I think it's a really, really underrated film. Um, no, not... I, tr- I truly agree. Yeah, it was it was great fun. It was absolutely great fun. Um, and what uh, there was news uh, a couple of days ago where he's uh, Ryan Johnson signed a deal with Netflix to to make like two more Knives Out movies, um, mm. worth a lot of money. So we're gonna get more Knives Out movies, but I would kind of want to see Johnson kind of because he, he his work has been really interesting in that he's done film noir, he did a con man movie, he did hard sci-fi, he did pop culture sci-fi, and he did a mystery, you know, murder who done it kind of thing. Um, and I, I think he really, he really does these different genres really well. And, and as much as I would love to see more of Daniel Craig as, as, um, what's the name of his character? I don't know. Um, oh my god, that's kind of some French I name. Everybody, that we can't remember. French yeah, name. he's from Louisiana, isn't he? Um, I wasn't too sure on the on, oh, on, on Benoit the Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc, Detective Benoit Blanc. Um, yeah, so we, we, as much as I'd love to see more De- Benoit Blanc mysteries, um, I think Brian Johnson's enough. still working on his on his Star Wars. He's doing like a Star Wars spin-off film. I just want to see him to do other things. Like, I think this this film is it, Brothers Bloom is an element you know that he can do these films because there aren't many con man films nowadays. You don't watch. You know, when was the last time you went to the cinema or a film came out and it was a con man film? It's kind of a, yeah. a genre that's almost lost to yeah. lost to the ages. <laughs> Funnily enough, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Rachel Weisz and Daniel Craig are married. They are indeed. Oh so, yeah, we should have a film with them uh, playing something like 
the Lady Eve or something. <laughs> Not remaking the Lady Eve, but something like that. With, something you know, like con artists. I think Johnson can do the that kind of dialogue really well as well. I think he yeah, can, he can yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, I think that kind of wraps us up on, on this week. You know, con men and, and um, con women. Con women, yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, it was, it was delightful. Um, bit of fun. So, what have you got on for next week? Um, so, we're changing genres. Um, we are doing... Uh, war films um, so we've got The Best Years of Our Lives uh, from 1946 <gasps> directed by William Wyler starring Myrna Loy Frederick March, Dana Andrews among many 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 others oh my um, god you know what I always get by... surprised by by what you're going to say because I never remember what's what's coming up next so it's I'm generally surprised. It's, 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 it's probably like one of the best parts of the, the episode whenever we record because you could never remember what we're. I actually can never remember what comes week. next, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so incredible! Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And we're pairing that with um, our second Robert Altman film of the podcast, Mash from 1970, which stars Donald Sutherland, Elliot Gold, Tom Skerritt, Sally Kellerman, Robert Duvall, many, 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 many others. Oh. Um. I've always wanted to watch Mash. Is it? Yeah, it's it's a comedy, isn't it? It 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 is, but it isn't. (laughs) Okay, because makes any sense. Best years of our life is not a comedy at all, but I'm sure we can find some common ground there. Yeah, I think I think if we're talking about how a film approaches war. I think Mash and from what I can gather, best years of our lives do it in different ways. It's but very anti-war, the, yeah. I think Mash is Mash is also a, a, an anti-war film. Um, you know, very famously inspired. Uh, uh, you know, very famously there was a, a TV series called Mash, which ran longer than the war that it was based off of. Yeah, I think um, I've seen. I've definitely seen a few episodes because it was it was on reruns. I've never seen up. Mash the TV series. I've My mum's got a DVD yeah. box set. Is it? I think that's how I. I think it's, it was the first time I've seen Alan Alda because he was in the TV show. All right, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So that's next week. Um. <gasps> sure. I think that's that's all we've got on. Uh, all, we've, all we've kind of done this week. So, Danny, um, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kino Joan, and my website is KinoJoan.co.uk. And you can find me on Twitter at uh, Nikesh Chandler, and my website is supertomovision.com. Um, I'm on Letterboxd. You can find me, uh, Nikesh Chandler, and I'm sure you can now find Danny on Letterboxd. And then you see, I've been it. on Letterboxd for a while now, but I don't usually. Yeah, so my, I, you find me on Danny Berry, I think. Um, I can't remember exactly. Um, on Letterboxd. <laughs> um, it's not my real name. <laughs> Um, don't but, forget yeah. you can um, email us uh, keenotomic at gmail.com and you can find us on Twitter at keenotomic. Um, I've seen that Danny's been uh, reposting a lot of stuff to do with Precode April on there. Um, yes. So keep an eye out on that. Precode um, April, yay! Yeah, so uh, <laughs> with all that in mind, it's a, a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me. And a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me.